You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily fantasy football podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. So come to site now. You have the week two picks, the sleepers and busts uh, predictions, and uh, the decider column will be up with the starts and sits for the week. So you can uh, check that out there, get you ready for week two. And that's what we're doing here on Locked On Fantasy Football. As we are on Wednesday, that means it's matchup focused, and that's the debut of our new format for Wednesdays. Uh, we'll have Jeff Ratcliffe of Pro Football Focus. We have Tyler Lochner tomorrow for lineup focus. So a double dip of PFF for your weekly insight here on Locked On Fantasy Football. So very excited about that. We use PFF a lot as a resource. Uh, such a great tool there throughout. Uh, such excellent grades and things you need to know for fantasy football. So very excited uh, to have uh, that PFF unique breakdown there from two of their very best and a great fantasy team overall there. So we'll have uh, Jeff later in the show to help break down the Five most intriguing matchups of the week here. And uh, we'll get into some other ones before then and uh, look at every game before we're done. We'll start, as we have to do every week, with the Thursday night game. And it loses the marquee value a little bit. Actually, you have two 1-0 teams with the AFC North lead right now. They're 1-0. The other two teams are 0-0-1. That's the Ravens and Bengals, not... Exactly, Eagles-Falcons, but we didn't get a lot of offense last week. I don't know if we're going to get a lot of offense in this particular game. The Ravens' defense just dominated the Bills. Bills really don't have much offense, so hard to gauge exactly how good the Ravens' defense is, but still pretty solid. We know that. Really shut down the run there. So when I'm looking at the Bengals, I think you start their principals, who are Joe Mixon and A.J. Green, you feel okay about both of their matchups i think you feel a little bit better about green with jimmy smith out there serving a suspension uh, the bills didn't really have any wide receivers to challenge the ravens so this will be a real test here with green so like green here for sure to get going he typically has success against the bengals or against the ravens when working at home Joe Mixon might have some tough sledding, but we know the volume. He's going to get 20, 25 touches again. Going to get used to the passing game a lot over Gio Bernard as well. So when you look at that, Mixon is locked in as every week starter. So is Green. But in terms of what to expect, Mixon a little bit tempered, while Green may be higher than expected without Smith in there. I don't think you stretch for John Ross, and certainly not for Andy Dalton this week with – it being a primetime game at home, we know that usually turns into a disaster for Andy Dalton. It's a medium point total at 44, not exactly expected to be a shootout at all. So I bet it's a grinding game, much like uh, Thursday night with the Falcons and Eagles from the Ravens side of things. 
Joe Flacco had a big, big first game. He got touchdowns to all his new wide receivers, Michael Crabtree, John Brown, Willie Sneed. I don't expect the points to go nuts, although you did have uh, Andrew Luck throw for 300 yards. They might follow the same game plan where a lot of short passes against the Bengals, especially with Montez Perfect out. But what I think you'll see from the Ravens is a lot of a defense running game, game plan grinded out, uh, high percentage passes, use their tight ends as well, spread it around. Uh, Joe Flacco looked very comfortable in that offense with his new weapons there. So you're going to have balance, but... With Kenneth Dixon out with a knee injury here, did the mop-up duty. They saved Alex Collins, who did have a fumble there and was benched briefly after scoring a touchdown, a nice little relentless run there against the Bills. He's They kind of preserved him for this game. So I think you look at the short week and the Ravens were able to roll and rest some guys. Collins is going to be fresher than a lot of uh, people there on the Bengals side of the defense that doesn't have Vontaze perfect either. So the Colts couldn't really challenge the Bengals in terms of having the running game. They'd use the rookie committee there. Well, the Ravens have a pretty good offensive line intact, and you're going to see a lot of good hard running from Collins in this one. And Collins has a pretty good history in these uh, prime time games as well. The next game we'll look at is the Panthers and Falcons. It's a 1 o'clock start there on Sunday, look at this one. Uh, with the Panthers, it's really tough to gauge what you're going to get from the receiving cores, especially after their, their struggles against the Cowboys. The Cowboys' defense played very well, but Devin Funches didn't do anything. Get uh, Cam Newton get in the end zone running. He had a nice running game to kind of uh, save his fantasy value there. But concerns about this North Turner offense early and the Falcons' defense is kind of built similar to the Cowboys. So I'm not having real high expectations for a lot of things. Uh, Greg Olson is out of the mix for a while with the foot injury. So rookie Ian Thomas looking to work in there, but they're really slow to work in the other rookie, DJ Moore at wide receiver. So hold the brakes there. So not much to like about the Panthers. I don't really love Devin Funchison's game. The one guy I really like is McCaffrey. If you have him here, big news with the Falcons. Uh, lost Keanu Neal in the opener, but also lost Deion Jones, their speedy middle linebacker, to injured reserve here. So that's going to open things up in the middle of the field for McCaffrey in the passing game. So I can see Newton throwing to McCaffrey a lot in this game, 10 to 12 times, and uh, getting him ample touches in the running game. The Falcons still struggle with that type of uh, between the tackles. So I expect a big game from McCaffrey and a guy that I'm going to look at DFS lineups a lot this week. Uh, overall, especially in the PPR full point format, he's going to go off. Newton typically has uh, up and down games. He's been hurt in Atlanta before, grew up near the area. So hard to know what to expect, but he's in your lineup. Uh, you hope for the good running and the scores there, and maybe he'll get the receivers a little bit more involved. McCaffrey will help him do a good day. So that's how you look at it on the Falcons side of thing. Extremely hard to trust a lot. Not named Julio Jones at this point. Matt Ryan still not looking good in Steve Sarkeesian's offense. Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman were disappointing. It's not the easiest run defense, but you're still going to stick with Freeman because he has a good chance to score in this game. Typically has success against Carolina. Tevin Coleman is a bit of a stretch here. I think if you have a viable alternative there in your flex play in a deeper league, I think you go there instead of Tevin Coleman this particular week. He's really didn't have much value last week, did find the end zone, but that was about 
it and uh, expect another low-scoring game, a grind between these two teams. The Falcons as six-point favorites, surprisingly, in this one with a point total of only 44.5. We go to the next game, and uh, before we get into the marquee games, we'll talk about this one as well, Dolphins and Jets, with the Dolphins uh, surprising a little bit uh, the way that they came out and played and won. A lot of things went in their favor. It's a home game, a very excruciating long game for the road team, the Titans. They also got hurt. But Ryan Tannehill had a couple touchdown passes, looked pretty ugly otherwise uh, with uh, two interceptions. With all these new weapons and Danny Amendola and Albert Wilson and guys that they're working into the mix, Mike Gesicki, the rookie tight end, it was Kenny Stills, the most familiar target with Jarvis Landry gone, uh, Devontae Parker hurt. Stills was a big factor. So Stills is a guy that I'm liking as a wide receiver three here. Uh, the Jets did give up a lot to the slot in Golden Tate last week, but Amadol and Wilson are kind of splitting that role, so you can't really look there. But Stills is definitely viable on the outside, even against a pretty good Jets secondary. So Stills is kind of the most attractive fantasy option other than Kenny and Drake. I think you have to put in Kenny and Drake, even with the split with Frank Gore, that uh, Drake is uh, still seeing a good variety of uh, the work here. So Drake is a guy that uh, is in there, and uh, the Jets' run defense is pretty good, but you're going to hope for the best with some volume in the passing game. With the Jets' side of things, Sam Darnold, uh, I'm going to cool the brakes. I'm not going to put him in against the Dolphins. The Dolphins' pass defense is actually pretty decent here. The run defense, however, is pretty weak. I like the way Isaiah Crowell ran. If you need Bilal Powell in a deeper league, I think the Jets will be very ground-oriented here as well. Then Quincy Nunwa is worth a look again. At Robbie Anderson, I'm not sure. One-trick pony there, boomer bust player, while Nunwa looks like the go-to guy here for Darnold. So Nunwa and the running backs are where I'm looking at here for the Jets as uh, having some good value here for fantasy this particular week. Now, Ever since I started doing this podcast and uh, we've been talking about some over-unders and point spreads to help us understand fantasy football, and I got my picks up there against spread on sportingnews.com, they've asked me uh, how to bet on uh, NFL games, uh, who do I bet on, how do I win, all that good stuff. Well, that's one thing, but the other thing is where you're betting, and you have to do that at my bookie. Because my bookie has the best player perks in the business. They're experienced pros who've been at this for years. And you can really take advantage there of your knowledge and put it to the test and uh, win some cold, hard cash there. And the best thing of all that my bookie is offering to you as a listener of Locked On Fantasy Football is a chance to match a deposit bonus by using our special promo code Locked. On. That's promo code locked on. So you go to my bookie. They have live in-game betting, the easiest way to do that in the business. And you can even play the fantasy game there as well by betting on the over-under of how many fantasy points a particular player will have in a given week. So all kinds of games, all kinds of actions to get involved in there at my bookie. Again, use that promo code locked on to get that deposit bonus once you make you first deposit there. It's MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, MyBookie.com. You play, you win, you get paid, MyBookie. Joining me now, as he will here on 
matchup focused here on Wednesday's show is uh, Jeff Ratcliffe of Pro Football Focus. Uh, Jeff, uh, we're going to get your advice here to help break down the four biggest games of the week every week. Does that sound good to you? Uh, absolutely. I love breaking down. Even if it's the, the, the lowest scoring game of the week, I will break that down with you, Vinny. But yeah, I, the higher scoring, the better, especially for fantasy. Well, I think one game that everyone's getting revved up here, especially after what Patrick Mahomes did to the Chargers, is the Steelers-Chiefs game. Steelers defense looked good for a while, then they let the Browns come back. The Chiefs defense pretty much let the Chargers do anything they want. It's a lot of points, a lot of big-name stars in this one. Uh, do you think uh, we'll get another big performance from Mahomes here? You know, I think that it could be any given week. I really didn't expect him to come out of the gate that hot. But, of course, all those injuries uh, with the Chargers defense did help the cause. However, what I really loved about watching that game is you know that anytime the play breaks down for Mahomes, he he gets outside the pocket, you know that ball's going 50 yards in the air. <laughs> so I really like that. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see that big game, but I think at this point, He's certainly on the fringes of being a quarterback one. Haven't really polished up the rankings entirely just yet, but he's going to come in right around there for me. And, you know, if we get two weeks of it, then he's, you know, I always say that, you know, the one week could be a bit of a fluke. Two weeks is a trend. So uh, Mahomes right on the verge of it. Yeah. And the other side, James Conner, all the love is going there. The Chiefs also let Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon do pretty much whatever they wanted last week. So, uh, Le'Veon Bell owners uh, that uh, smartly drafted Connor looks like they might be in for another nice week here at home. Heavy usage. I was really surprised that they actually used him as a true three down back. That was my one concern. You know, we knew they did that with uh, D'Angelo Williams in the past when Bell was out, but I didn't expect it with Connor. Thought we would have seen some Jalen Samuels. We didn't see any of the rookie uh, in passing situations. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the guy goes up over 30 touches. We could see another full workload for him against this defense. And as you mentioned, Austin Eckler, uh, Melvin Gordon, a lot of people talk about Austin Eckler, but Melvin Gordon had 12 targets. He had nine catches against this defense. So you could see a little bit extra boost for James Conner, especially in a PPR format. Yeah, so this is a pretty good game for that. I think one guy, well, really two guys in the Chiefs, people are hoping for better things from are Kareem Hunt and Travis Kelsey. I think Travis Kelsey is going to have a bounce back game here, but Kareem Hunt, should they be worried a little bit that maybe they're going a little past happy, a little bit more Spencer Ware in there? I don't think so. I think ultimately this team is is going to continue to, uh, at least in the short term, be a little bit unpredictable. But when all is settled out, I mean, you're going to rely on your running backs as as much as you can in the NFL. And we're going to see Kareem Hunt um, be used going forward. So if I drafted him as my top running back, I'm not panicking just yet. It is the first week of the season. So we'll see here. The Steelers have a pretty decent run defense. So it's not necessarily the best matchup to get back on track. But I'm, I'm more concerned with how often is he touching the ball as opposed to just the efficiency numbers right now at this point in the year. Our next big game of the week, and this is off the board for now, so we don't have the over-under and the point total here, but with the Packers, we hear Mike McCarthy early in the week. We pretty much know that Aaron Rodgers is going to play. If he came back and played against the Bears in a big division game, we figure at home with the Vikings coming to town, he'll play again. Now, 
the one thing that uh, fancy owners got excited about is the Packers receiving core here. Everyone got involved, made big plays. Do we think we'll see more consistency from Randall Cobb or Geronimo Allison working there with uh, Devontae Adams? That's that's a tricky one. I, I will say this. Randall Cobb looked more sudden as a player than I think I've seen out of him in the last th- two or three years. So fully healthy and uh, that wasn't a fluke to have that long touchdown. I, th- I felt like it was building in that game. You saw him on special teams as well with that suddenness. Uh, looked like a, looked like a younger player, a younger version of himself because he has been in the league for quite some time here. But I was encouraged by Geronimo Allison's usage. That was the one concern. Anytime you're the number three receiver, are you going to see enough targets to be fantasy relevant? In that contest, he showed that that he did. Now, keep in mind, a lot of Jimmy Graham owners are a little bit concerned about that. That was a rough matchup for Jimmy Graham. The Bears are pretty – it's not just Khalil Mack. That is a good defense. So I didn't like that matchup from the start. I'm not overly concerned about Graham, but that – Graham's usage, if he, if it's higher, that could impact ultimately Al, Allison's value going forward. So don't get too overly optimistic about Allison. Now, I'm looking at the Vikings side of things, and Kirk Cousins comes in there. I look at the – stats there and the way the game played out Adam Thielen was the guy over 100 yards as Stefan Diggs made the big play and scored to Kyle Rudolph had a short passing touchdown is this going to be a lot of similar production we saw from uh, Case Keenum in just less volume here for Kirk Cousins overall because he's got a, such a great defense so working with him and that's the that's the point right there it is the defense uh, the one concern that I had for him entering this season was that. I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, hey, the receiving talent, it's it's real. He has Dal Cook there as well, you, a solid tight end who can catch the pa- catch passes for you. But when your defense is that good, when your defense can hold the opposing run game in check, when they ha- when you have a decent secondary, it, it does impact game script. So that's the concern. I still think you have to view Cousins as a as a QB one for now for fantasy purposes. But ultimately, one of the the biggest recommendations I had for folks this year is I didn't want to enter the season with just one guy. In fact, I wanted to go one safer guy and one upside guy. I kept saying Phillip Rivers and Patrick Mahomes. But if you had Kirk Cousins, he's a little bit safer. So maybe if you don't have a backup and there are guys out there like Mitchell Trubisky, not the best game in week one, but he showed flashes of talent. Uh, I might go and grab somebody like that who I can have for upside in case Cousins does end up, you know, with less volume, as you said. Well, an intriguing game actually has a pretty decent point total here is the Colts and Redskins. All of a sudden, Andrew Luck looks pretty good. All the guys are getting involved. The Redskins are coming out with Adrian Peterson still churning those legs away with high volume and Alex Smith looking pretty good. Uh, This one could be a sneaky high scoring game this week. Yeah, I like Alex Smith as a, a streamer option if he's available. He was fairly widely drafted, so he might not be out there in, in a ton of leagues. But anybody going up against the Colts secondary this year, at least early on in the season, I, I think is going to be a viable streamer option. You mentioned Peterson, though. We have to call him out. Obviously, huge workload for him. I, I think he wears down over the course of the season, but I don't care about that in September think he's going to touch the ball a ton and the offensive line having that line fully healthy when you have Trent Williams fully healthy on the field when you have Brandon Sheriff fully healthy on the field you're going to be able to run the football and they showed that that's the difference this year you know compared to what he dealt with in Arizona last year they're just really the line just wasn't doing him any favors this year he'll get those favors with Washington now looking at the Colts now J- Jack Doyle Eric Ebron 
they're both involved there. T.Y. Hilton, I think that in a way, with the the way the offense is kind of shortened up, higher volume for Andrew Luck, maybe less deep shots, that it's going to get a nice production there all around from this passing game. Yeah, and, and Ryan Grant in deeper leagues, not, not regular-sized leagues, but he's going to be involved as well. I do have some concerns. There's a lot of hype about Eric Ebron, but when we look at the numbers a little bit closer, he was very efficient, but he ran just 39% of the passing routes. Jack Doyle ran 93%. That is a huge difference between the two, and Jack Doyle did see you know heavy workload in that contest as well. So I, I, I know, you know Ebron got in the end zone. People are encouraged by touchdowns in fantasy, but be careful to not overvalue. I think he should be owned, but it's not like Eric Ebron all of a sudden now is a tight end one. And we'll get to our last game here. This could have some points as well, especially the way the Saints defense looked in week one against the Buccaneers. But Saints back at home against the Browns. Uh, I I think the big question is, uh, Josh Gordon, are we going to see them trust him and actually let him do more stuff uh, being out there? Seems a lot of disconnect on how much they want to use him in this one. Yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, if he is out there the full game, I would expect to see a shadow from Marshawn Lattimore. Now, Lattimore last year was fantastic as a rookie, but against Mike Evans, I mean, Evans did some damage on Lattimore this week. He did shadow him. Evans caught all four balls, went over 100 yards, and had the touchdown in Lattimore's coverage. So, if we see more Josh Gordon, I mean, we saw just that little glimpse, and that gets everybody encouraged getting in the end zone. If we see more... It could be a big week, but you're right. I don't know if we can trust it just yet. I always say I like to see it before I do it in fantasy. I want to see him on the field as an every-down receiver before I'm actually starting him as a wide receiver too. Now, Tyrod Taylor in this game, is he a guy that you would trust a little bit just because the running got him the production there? And you figure with maybe this pass protection breakdown that we saw against the Steelers that he's going to be scrambling quite a bit and helping owners that way. Oh, yeah, and that's that's his M.O. for fantasy. You know, I, I've said numerous times, if you could guarantee me that Tyrod Taylor would be the start of the whole season, I like him as a back-end quarterback one. The problem is you can't guarantee that to me. Baker looked like the real deal in the preseason, and ultimately, I mean, the team still hasn't won a game <laughs> yet, but either way, you know, we'll see what their record is. Ultimately, though, you got to figure in year one they're going to get Baker on the field. So if you have Tyrod, you have him for now. Have a backup plan, though, going forward. But, yeah, I, I like him this week. I think he's going to put up more, you know, another good fantasy day, especially, as you said, because of his legs. Now, we know what the Saints, Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, are just incredible beasts, and they're going to keep doing this a lot, a lot of games. But I think – one undervalued guy, we're seeing it again. We're maybe looking at Cameron Meredith and uh, just other guys maybe taking that role from him. But Ted Ginn Jr. out there again making plays. Is he a guy that we have to start believing and say, we're going to try to get him in our lineup. This, this offense is too potent and he has too consistent of role to ignore. I think so. But you you have to you always have to know what you're getting yourself into. So if you're in a PPR league, Ted Ginn Jr. is not necessarily the best option. I mean, he had the five catches. That's fine. But we know it's a bumpy ride with him. Any of these big play receivers, that's what's going to happen. So maybe more half-point PPR if you're still in those standard non-PPR leagues. He has more uh, value because what you get with him is any given week, we know, he could go for a 40 or a 50-yard touchdown. We know that with him. So I think he deserves a roster spot. Even in PPR, he deserves a roster spot. I just don't know how much we're going to be able to trust him on a week-to-week basis due to some of those inconsistencies of the big play receivers. 
Now, is there another game that you're kind of uh, keeping your eye on that uh, maybe a little bit under the radar for uh, fantasy production this week? Wow, there there's so many. I mean, obviously, early in the season when we don't have any of these bye weeks, it's always fun. Uh, I, I think you, you look at a, a game like um, the the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and Tampa Bay Buccaneers is an interesting one just because of Ryan Fitzpatrick and how he played in week one. Like this wasn't just the Saints defense stinking. This was Ryan Fitzpatrick playing really good football. So I, I, I'm not going to obviously rely on Fitzpatrick as a long-term option because of Jameis coming back in week four. But this was a team that looked good in the preseason. This is a team that could potentially put up more points again here. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. We'll see with Deshaun Jackson and that concussion issue, um, especially Godwin gets a bump there. Uh, Peyton Barber, people were disappointed with Peyton Barber, but I was encouraged by the usage, not the numbers, but the usage. So I think that's an interesting one. And then can Philly just get off the schneid? I mean, Jay Ajayi had the good week one, but what about Foles? Is he going to be capable here? Because I don't expect to see Carson Wentz. Uh, is there anything to get to, to be had out of that receiving game? Nelson Aguilar had heavy volume, but not 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 big yardage. And then Zach Ertz coming off a down week. But I, st- I think that's an interesting game nonetheless, just to see if Tampa can keep rolling out of that massive week one performance. All right, Jeff, uh, that helps a lot to break down these uh, big matchups. A lot of questions that fantasy owners definitely have for week two, trying to get the most points into their lineup. And uh, Jeff, tell our listeners again where they can follow you and listen to you and uh, read all your good stuff. Sure. Profootballfocus.com is the website at Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, Jeff Ratcliffe on Instagram, uh, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, 10 to 11 Eastern, Monday through Friday, CBS Sports Network, Sunday mornings, 8 to noon Eastern, that other pregame show. All right. He's a busy guy, but we always thank his insight here on Matchup Focused here on Wednesdays. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Vinny. So a great segment from Jeff there to help us break down those biggest games of the week. And uh, as we upgrade experts edition here on Locked on Fantasy Football, we also have some other great news on the Locked on Network. We keep expanding and uh, giving you great shows. You know we've given you NFL, MLB, NBA, team by team, your best coverage there, beat reports for all the teams there that you're following and uh, want the inside for 24-7-365. Well, now we have the college network as well. So whether you're a fan of uh, Kentucky basketball or uh, you like uh, BYU football, Oregon Ducks, Penn State, Ohio State, we're all over the place. Uh, your favorite teams all over uh, there got a podcast for you. So we're getting into it. Uh, so check it out. Uh, we're going to be on campus with all the best uh, stories there coming out of this big college football season, college basketball season, right around the corner as well. So Lockdown College, a lot of those shows are up and running. They all do a fantastic job and uh, rising up the charts is must listens here. So strongly encourage you to do that and uh, expand your love of the Locked On Network. I love working for it and it's good to see that we keep getting bigger and better and uh, getting now while the listening is better than ever. Now, let's continue looking at the rest of the games of the week. We'll pick up back again at 1 p.m. with the Texans and Titans. 
And this one, uh, this one's a tough one because Marcus Mariota, it's off the board right now with the elbow injury. We're not sure if he's going to be there. Left tackle Taylor Juan has a left tackle concussion there. And uh, Jack Conklin is hurt as well. So a lot of things happening for the Titans and Delaney Walker out as well. So a lot of things uh, going negative for the Titans at this point. The one Titan that looked very good in week one was Deion Lewis. And I think he'll continue to touch the ball a lot. And Derrick Henry has also had some sneaky good success against the Texans. He had actually a long run call back against the Dolphins that might have changed the way that game went for him significantly. So he is a home run threat. And I think Lewis has seen his... The speed back, but he's actually the steady back. Well, Henry is the home run back there, and he needs a big run. He's had some good success against the Texans. The Texans are vulnerable in the middle of the field. The Patriots ran well against them as well. He saw James White do some damage, and Lewis can be that kind of back and better. So I think that's where I'm going with the Titans this week. People are going to be down on Henry. I think it's a good contrarian play this week because he's that big home run hitter and all-or-nothing type runner, and this is a time to maybe look at him at home in this game. They're going to lean on the run. More you can bet. Blaine Gabbard is a little concerned. If Mariota's in there, I feel a little bit better about Lewis and Henry, but in some ways I feel like Blaine Gabbard can okay handle the offense, and they did score and do some damage with Gabbard last week. So it's not going to hold them as much back as people think. Their line is still pretty good in three-fifths of it, even if Luan has to miss the game, as well as Conklin. So... I just like the way Lewis is running. This is a good uh, run-blocking setup team. And uh, I think with, with this, uh, that's where you're only looking at the Titans at the moment. On the other side of things, you look at the uh, Houston Texans. And uh, Deshaun Watson, extremely hard to trust right now, especially with Will Fuller out. If Will Fuller plays, we're not sure about that injury. I think that upgrades a little bit because he has a good connection there downfield. But DeAndre Hopkins... Still can do some damage against the secondary. Still has some issues. Uh, we saw that uh, Bruce Ellington is still a factor here for the Texans. So Watson can manufacture things. I think you look at the Titans, uh, give up two touchdown passes against Tannehill. So I expect Watson to have a decent game. But those explosive games that we had from last season, uh, you're going to have to wait on them a little bit with the offensive line issues, especially with the Santrell Henderson being lost for the season at right tackle. Our next game is the Chargers and Bills. And you look at this one at 1 o'clock. Uh, this should be all Chargers here. Pretty easy to break this down. Phillip Rivers is going to stay hot. I think Antonio Gates is going to be involved more in score in this game. Uh, I think the receivers, other than Keenan Allen, I'm not stretching to Mike Williams or Tyro Williams or anyone like that. So I'm going with uh, Rivers, Gates, Allen, there, Gates is the sleeper. Allen is that every week play. I like his chances to be successful because he's just very good in every game. And uh, Melvin Gordon, uh, keep going with him and uh, feel good about it. The Bills gave up a lot to running backs last week. It's still not a very good run defense. Uh, trying to get a little bit better, but still plenty of opportunities there. So Gordon I like. I think Austin Eckler could also be a value, but they were trailing last week. So Eckler is going to be on the field more in those passing situations and big passing game stats for the running backs. They're not going to need him as much this week, so keep that in mind. So I'm, I'm keeping it simple with Rivers. Gordon Allen, the triplets, and uh, a little bit of Gates if you're hurting a tight end, if you lost Walker or Greg Olson. With the Bills, uh, pretty much shut it all down. The Chargers defense is a great play, even if Joey Bosa is not in there. They're going to rebound, uh, take some uh, anger from that Chiefs game out of the Bills. Bills 
to pretty much shut down all the bills and look elsewhere for fantasy production. Our next game, as we dive into the 4 o'clock window on Week 2 Sunday, is the Lions and 49ers. Uh, 48 over-under, so expecting some points, but the 49ers are the favorites here. Lions look terrible on Monday night. Everything looked terrible. Really, Golden Tate was the only viable play with Kenny Galladay getting the yardage. Uh, Golden Tate had the uh, touchdown there in terms of the guys that you're looking at on a weekly basis. I just don't know what to expect from the Lions. The 49ers did allow Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs to have good games, but Matthew Stafford coming off a rough game. The 49ers secondary is not maybe as good as the Jets, but I think it's underrated there with Richard Sherman back there, Jaquiski Tart, Akella Witherspoon. So they could cause some more problems. Short week for the Lions if this whole tipping of plays is happening. That's not a good sign at all. Then it's pretty much a talent, talent versus matchup that's going on at Stafford. So I'm a little concerned about the Lions offense. I still am going to go with Golden Tate in this one. But the Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay situation outside is a little questionable. So um, if you need Marvin Jones, I think you play him, hope for a rebound game here. He's, he's a guy you drafted pretty high. So Jones and Tate are in there. Stay away from the Lions running game. And Matthew Stafford, I just need to see more from him after that four-interception debacle. He, he seems like he's in for a rebound, but it could be something bigger going on with that offense that you don't want to trust the quarterback yet. With the 49ers, uh, you look in the, their side. Jimmy Garoppolo missed a few throws last week, had the bad interceptions, had a pick six, but I think he rebounds well this week, even if Marquise Goodwin doesn't play, which looks like the case. He did find some groove with Dante Pettis. George Kittle did some damage. I think Pierre Garçon will have a little bit of a rebound here as well. So Jimmy Garoppolo is pretty solid. I wouldn't expect big numbers if you're going to deploy him this week, maybe 252. I think Alfred Morris could have a nice game. Same kind of zone blocking running scheme that gave the Lions tons of problems against the Jets with Bilal Powell and Alf- and. Isaiah Crowell, so look at Alfred Morris and Matt Breida, both usable this week at home, and I think the 49ers are going to win this game pretty comfortably. Long trip from the Lions on a short week, and the 49ers played better than a lot of people expected in Minnesota and are going to come through here at home. The Giant, we look at the Cardinals, excuse me, and the Rams, and is their next game is 4 o'clock, staying in that window. 13-point favorites from the Rams, and it's a lower point total, 45 and a half there for the Rams. So that kind of implies that the Rams are going to win this game very similar to the Raiders game last week. And that's the thing about the Rams that we're going to be uh, careful of is that they can put teams away rather easily with their defense. So I know Sean McVay is a very aggressive coach, and he kept throwing it even when they had a lead and didn't just hand it off to Todd Gurley. But... That's going to help Gurley even more because the Rams' defense is going to be able to put away a game. They're going to be in big positions where they can pull out guys. So they don't have to force it to Brandon Cooks or Robert Woods for big plays. I think you have to get those early. If they don't happen early and the Rams uh, have uh, Gurley score someone else or they get a lot of field goals and pull away and their defense scores, it's going to be tough. So I don't expect a lot of volume from Jared Goff this year. Did manage the two touchdowns against the Raiders, but one was kind of on a flip pass to Gurley. So it's you're looking for those multiple touchdowns from Goff, which is always a possibility with the explosiveness of this offense. But in terms of a lot of yards, it's just not going to happen when the Cardinals just look listless last week. So just something to keep a note there. The Rams' defense, great play. I think uh, Brand Cooks could have a little bit of trouble with Patrick Peterson, but 
You're going to trust him. He's the number one there. I think I like Cooper Cup more than Robert Woods. I'm going to cool off on Robert Woods. Early Gurley is going to have a nice game as well. After Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson destroyed the Cardinals, uh, it's not going to look good, especially with the way they're playing run defense now and not adding that extra player into the box. They might have to change that philosophy in this game. But the Cardinals, David Johnson, a matchup of two great running backs. Jalen Richard and uh, Marshawn Lynch had good games combined there for the Raiders for the Rams, so expect good things from David Johnson. They should feed him a lot more. Larry Fitzgerald might have a little bit of difficulty here with the secondary with uh, Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib giving him a little bit of the business, but he's Larry Fitzgerald. PPR league is good, and standard's hard right now to expect him to score and have big yardage in this one there. So Fitzgerald and Johnson and the Rams... Start all your guys. I think the one guy I'd cool off is uh, Woods and maybe Goff. If you got an alternative that's going to be maybe in a game where they're going to have to score a lot more points, I would go with that quarterback instead. The marquee game, it's more defensive-minded. That's why we didn't talk about it with Jeff because I don't think it's going to be necessarily a fantasy fest. It's going to be more a defensive slug fest here. The Patriots and Jaguars. And these two teams hooked up in the AFC Championship game. I see some good things for the Jaguars in this one in particular areas. Uh, the big question is Leonard Fournette. Is he going to be in there or TJ Yeldon? Whoever is the starting back, it's a little easier to trust if, uh, say, Fournette is clearly active and practicing and all that and is going to have a normal workload and not be limited to go there this week uh, with uh, Yeldon. If uh, Fournette's out, he's a, he's a, uh, easily a top 15, top 20 back with his volume and uh, how good this running game is against this Patriots team. Lamar Miller had a pretty good game last week there to keep the Texans hanging around the game. So Jaguars are a better running team with a better offensive line. So uh, whoever's running for the Jaguars is going to have success. In terms of wide receivers, Keelan Cole, we've been on him, but really D.D. Westbrook could have the game. Dante Moncrief can have the game. Austin Severian Jenkins, I'm not. So Pretty much with the Jaguars, it's defense, whoever's the main guy in the running game, and that's it. And I feel good about both those elements. And the Patriots have Tom Brady. You're still going to put in the Jaguars' defense. This might be their toughest game of the year in terms of uh, limited points, but they'll still get after, get some sacks here, and uh, make their day viable and keep the Patriots pretty much down on the scoreboard. The Patriots' wide receivers, you can't go there at all with the secondary. Chris Hogan... Had a, coming off a bad game, and uh, Philip Dorsett, going to be shut down by Ramsey and Bowie there. So Rob Gronkowski, you're going to see a lot of him. A lot of James White, I think, as well. So Gronkowski and White are the other guys I like. Brady, I would not sit Brady because he's going to find a way to get it done with whoever it is, and it could be those two guys again for a second straight week. So Brady, you're still going with. You just have to go in that 215-2 window instead of 303. But you'll take 215-2 from Brady all the time. That's what you drafted him. Four, and the Patriots are mild favorites here, minus two and a 45. So very low-scoring game expected there in Jacksonville. Three more games to go. We have the Raiders and Broncos here. 45.5 is the point total there. Five-and-a-half point favorites for the Broncos. The Broncos looking good in the first game. Case Keenum did have some bad interceptions, but he did distribute well to Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, so that was good to see. The running game looked better. Offensive line was better. The only question about the running game, I think they'll have success against the Raiders, splitting stuff, but Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, 
you can't really fade to either guy or you can't really favor either guy at this point because it's an even split. We hint, we heard about this running back by committee all the time about the Broncos. And uh, this was the danger of drafting Freeman alone. If, if you drafted Freeman, hopefully you got some other options there because we knew this is the volatility of the Broncos and uh, not knowing exactly who was going to carry the ball. And it turns out Philip Lindsay got in there ahead of Devontae Booker. So both those guys can have a combined good game, but this hot hand approach within the committee is very frustrating. So I'm going to avoid this situation for a while until I see a little bit more clarity if they give Freeman a little bit more touches on Lindsay, but Lindsay's more of a change of pace back to me. Broncos have a chance to pull away a little bit in this game with their defense, but we saw last week uh, Freeman did get some of those touches, so we'll wait and see there. But with the Broncos, I'm going Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders. I like what they can do. Case Keenum is a good sleeper this week for that reason because those guys can get involved. I think Cortland Sutton could do something as well in a deep, deep play, but uh, that only helps Keenum here. So Sanders, Thomas, Keenum, and uh, stay away from their backs until we get some clarity. The defense is going to make some plays. The Raiders looked awful offensively in that game. Uh, Derek Carr was just lost. So Derek Carr, hard to trust anything here. Tough secondary matchup again for Amari Cooper. You're going to hope for the best of volume, but he needs volume. He only had one catch there against the Rams, tough secondary. So they should get him a little bit more involved this week. Jared Cook is going to stay heavily involved. The Broncos are vulnerable against the tight end, and Cook has had some good games against them in the past as a Raider. So Jared Cook looks like the most val- valued option here. Wouldn't go with Lynch or Richard this week. The Broncos' defense just looks too tough there. Our next game that we look at is the uh, Giants and Cowboys. This is the Sunday night affair. They primetime NBC game and 42. So it's a pretty low point total for the Cowboys and Giants. One of the lowest probably you've seen in a while with these two teams. Uh, that's because uh, the Cowboys played very good defense in Carolina. It just didn't get much offense felt. The Giants actually held their own against the Jaguars in a lot of ways with their new look defense there with the uh, James Betcher. So the Cowboys and Giants kind of built the same, grinding. You'll see a lot of Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott. I think I like Ezekiel Elliott better than Barkley in this game in terms of run defense, but uh, they're both reviable RB1s this week just because of their scoring potential. Odell Beckham Jr., feel good about. Now, with Beckham Jr., and uh, when you look at Barkley, that's about it for the Giants that I'm going to trust. Sarah Shepard, still hard to trust. Still got volume last week, but. Not a big, big game after a nice first half. So he could be contained here. The Cowboys secondary is better than you think. So Beckham Barkley loading, and that could be a very uh, similar theme that you're doing for the Giants week in and week out. For the Cowboys, uh, not loving anything in their offense right now. You're not stretching to Alan Hearns or Michael Gallup or taking a dark throw at Jeff Swaim quite yet. You have to see what's happening. So pretty much all Elliott, and I think they're going to feed him a ton here to get him going and to save this offense. Cole Beasley in a PPR, if he keeps it up, I think he's going to have some good value there. But uh, in standard league, uh, Cole Beasley just doesn't interest me because he's really down to a touchdown there that comes to his value. But PPR, he could be nice, uh, give you that 14 points again this particular week. Now, let's close with talking about Monday night football, the Seahawks and Bears, uh, 43 and a half. So you look at the Seahawks, Russell Wilson is locked in. He had a bad game last week with the interceptions and sacks, but 
still came through with the, the big touchdowns, and that's what you're going to see with Russell Wilson, the volume. And that, that's another factor in why Wilson is going to put up numbers. Not only is he the only show here with the, with the running game, still in work in progress, bad offensive line, Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, but uh, the Seahawks defense is not as good anymore. So there's going to be a lot of chucking here and trailing for the Seahawks. And uh, no Doug Baldwin, but he's going to find a way to get the job done. He got it done with Will Disley last week. It could be uh, Tyler Lockett, who did score as well last week, uh, having a bigger role. Brandon Marshall scored as well. So Wilson is just a baller. He's going to find a way to get it done. I expect him to run a little bit more as well in this one. Uh, the Bears are going to flush him a little bit. But it could be ugly, but he's going to get it done. I also kind of like Lockett in this game to uh, make a big play. He's a quick receiver that the Bears can struggle with. Brandon Marshall, treat him. I wish he had tight end eligibility because that's what he looks like in this offense with Jimmy Graham, as we mentioned on uh, Tuesday's show. But I just uh, don't uh, have great expectations. I, I say Lockett is a very sneaky play because he's a guy that is going to get some volume takeover potentially in game with uh, Baldwin out of the lineup. And they're going to have to find targets, but Wilson will get it done, just like Tom Brady kind of does with uh, whoever's out there on the field. The Bears' defense, however, is still a good play because they're going to get some sacks here, maybe some more uh, takeaways of Wilson as part of the day. It's prime time. They're going to be pumped, played big time, prime time on the road against Greens Bay last week. But that's going to help. This defense is darn good. So I really like the Bears' defense this week with Mac and the playmaking ability raised there, especially against this offensive line. And in terms of uh, who I like, I mean, Allen Robinson, you might slide in there just because he, he's a de facto number one. He's in there, Trey Burton as well. You got to look at because they're going to get involved. Anthony Miller was not a factor at all there. And Taylor Gabriel, not exactly a big buzz player yet for the Bears. So I see Robinson and Burton doing a little bit better. We need Mitchell Trubisky to play a little bit better as well in this one, but I think he will at home, a little bit more comfortable environment here. Seattle's defense, not as good as Green Bay's, actually. So Jordan Howard, however, this is a guy, if I'm going with the backfield in DFS, Howard is a guy I want. Seahawks' run defense is really bad right now, and uh, Howard was used in the passing game as well there, and you look at Lindsey and Freeman, the Broncos' backs going off against the Seahawks. So start your backs and feel very good about them. And I think Howard is in for a solid, solid season with the Bears. And uh, it continues here in uh, week two. And I think you'll get even higher volume to help us set up the pass game and put Trubisky more at ease in this one. So there you have it. There's a breakdown matchup focused, uh, looking at all the games here on the week two schedule, an in-depth look on both sides of every game. And uh, tomorrow we'll come back with a lineup focused uh, to get you into the DFS realm for the weekend and uh, see what the best plays are on uh, FanDuel and DraftKings. So we'll look at it from that perspective there with uh, Tyler Lochner of Pro Football Focus. Thanks again to Jeff Ratcliffe of Pro Football Focus for joining the show and uh, giving us his insight on the five biggest matchups of the week. For Lockdown Fantasy Football, you can follow me there on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, any shows you missed, iTunes, subscribe, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, get subscribed and uh, you won't miss a show and the insight we have all season. For Locked on Fantasy Football, this has been Vinny Iyer. We'll see you next time.